Hi, friends, and welcome to the Good Work Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Leonard, and we are here to ask the question, what does good work mean to you? We'll explore the values that drive us, the tensions we wrestle with, and ultimately how we connect the dots between achievement and fulfillment in our lives. Sound heavy? Nah. Let's lighten up and dive in. Everybody, I'm so delighted to introduce you to Andrea Chase. Andrea Chase is really, I mean, these are your bona fides. You are an expert in the B Corporation certification process. You have certified companies to become B Corps more times than I'm sure you can remember. Currently, (laughs) you serve as the VP of Corporate Social Responsibility at Arbonne, which is an international wellness organization that is a certified B Corporation and which means benefit corporation, if you're not familiar. Andrea, in her spare time, uh, serves the sustainability community as an advocate and leader of B Local Los Angeles, which is the nonprofit affiliation of certified B Corps, and is also the co-chair of Greener Logistics for the B Beauty Coalition, which is a B Corp industry working group. In addition to her advocacy work, Andrea also serves as a guest professor for prominent Southern California universities on the topic of sustainable business benchmarking, B corporations, and social enterprises. Andrea Chase, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so, so much for having me. It's just such an absolute pleasure. I know you and I have spent so much time together over the years talking about some of these topics. And so really exciting to bring it into a more formal format that we can share with other people too. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I do like to start at the beginning. So I feel like I've had the pleasure and privilege of getting to know you through my personal affiliation with Arbonne as well. I know that you were born and raised in L.A., You're a self-proclaimed nature nerd. Uh, You love learning about animals, plants, gardening, marine biology, natural cycles. I'm very here for that. Anyone who knows me personally knows that I have been in a really like deep dive in the last couple of years into the cyclical nature of all things. More on that another time. Um, (laughs) Geology and everything in between. And you've built your entire career and, you know, your life around a passion for creating positive impact for people and the planet. So I'm so impressed by your journey and how you how you have married your passions and your purpose into your day-to-day work. Can you tell us a little bit more about like back when your B Corp journey first started, kind of the origins of your B Corp experience? Absolutely. And I, I love starting there because I feel like it's the the root of really when I began to understand what I wanted my purpose to be in life. And, you know, I, I it's funny, I jokingly, when I do public speaking and call myself the queen bee, I know I'm definitely not Beyonce. Nobody can touch her with a 10 foot pole as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> she is as good as it gets. But really B Corp is something that's defined my life and focusing on, you know, using this as a measurement tool to build a better world around us through business is really one of my passions and, and seeing this come to life every day at work and you know it extends into my volunteer work and the boards that I serve on and have run and then you know the nonprofits I've founded and all of these things. So holistically it really is my passion and it's so fun. And so when I first started certifying companies over a decade ago, it was this eye-opening like moment in my life where when you become a B Corp, 
you have to take a test that you are extensively audited on. So just like a financial audit for a company or anything like that, it is backed up by a third party who is really grilling you to make sure that whatever you're reporting on is coming to life. And when I first took this test over a decade ago for the first B Corp that I certified, which was in green infrastructure, it was like this eye-opening experience where how are companies not asking these questions? How is this not expected of companies to ask these questions, especially as a consumer that cares? I'm so worried about the environment. I'm so worried about you know the people in our country and equitability and all of these other things that businesses need to tackle these things. And the fact that that is not regulated as strongly as it is in other regions of the world, like to me, this was the way to do it because businesses can move quickly. It's so important that we're looking at stakeholder welfare in a holistic way. And so when I did my first little B Corporation certification in 2012, the movement was still so new. It was like literally looking at a Scantron test. It reminded me of when I was in college, when I was filling out the answers and trying to put, find the proof points. And it's come Scantron, so far. Scantron, you mean like little, like, yes, little, like little you had bubbles, to fill them out. Like, yes. Like pencil, oh, like, oh, no, hanging chat. I hope. Wow. Exactly. <laughs> and that's where, like, you know, the movement has come so far since then, especially yeah. as it's grown so exponentially. But it was that moment where, you know, it gave you this rubric of what change should look like, what positive impact should look like, and how you can holistically embed that into any business, not just specific businesses, which mm-hmm. I, when I saw that, I was like, there's no going back for me. I, can't work for a company that isn't purpose-driven. I can't work for a company that doesn't align with my values. And I can't work for a company that is not thinking about people and the planet and the decisions that we're making. And just to clarify, when you say back in 2012, when you did your first B Corp certification, this was not you founding a company that was going to be certified as a B Corp. You are the third party that's coming in and facilitating the certification process for an existing company that wants to become a B Corporation. Close. It's right. somewhere Close. in between. Somewhere in between. <laughs> and, this, and this is a little bit more of my, my, you know, the journeys in life are not always linear. The path forward is not always linear, but you're touching yeah. on a few other things throughout it. So yeah. in 2012, I worked for the first B Corporation that I ever helped certify. And I was their director of marketing for many, many years. We focused on green infrastructure. I learned all about sustainable business business practices, water conservation, energy conservation, even like gray water. I'm, I'm from LA. I'm born and raised. I still live here. And so water is such an intrinsically part and special part of our community and how we manage it. Honestly, mismanagement is yeah. um, something that I'm very passionate about. So it was great to be in that industry and it was a mission-driven business and they were, you know, building products that were sustainable alternatives mm. to normal things. But this new certification was something that we wanted to pursue because we wanted to be more than just sustainable in our products. We wanted to be sustainable in the way that we treated our people and our people practices and the way that we treated our customers and you know the governance of our business and accountability of governance and all these other things before. So at that time, I was a full-time employee at a certified B Corporation. Fast forward a few years, I, I do like to stick around at places. I'm not a typical millennial that jump ship after a couple of years. Like I want to set some goals and see them through. I really want to see that strategy development come to life. So I was there for five years. We had such a great time together. It was really, really amazing. We saved so much water and built these really strong relationships with municipalities and governments, which were so fascinating to me because talk about driving efficacy and change and how do you motivate people when you're under circumstances that are depressing and tough. I mean, God, we were in such a horrible drought 
for so long and it becomes debilitating and you hear the bad news every day. And it's like, how do you take these things that can be so challenging and, you know, shut you down normally and and change that into agency and efficacy and feeling like you can create changes. So that was actually the beginning of my public speaking career. That was the kickstart of my Be Local Los Angeles community in LA where, you know, if I worked for this one B Corp that was so cool when it came to green infrastructure, what are the other B Corps doing out there? Like, what are they focusing on? If we're all innovators in business, redefining success around social or environmental change, why are we not learning from each other? Like, this is so cool. And so I just became a total B Corp nerd and started this nonprofit where it was all, you know, focused on education. And why are we not learning from each other? And that really is the heart of my passion is teaching and making sure that people feel like they're inspired to make the changes that we need to make because it's a hard time. Every new scientific study that comes out is it's depressing. And I just finished my grad degree in sustainable yeah. management. And, you know, the data is not friendly and is not showing that we're taking action quickly enough. So how do we turn mm. that on its head? And instead of having things like climate anxiety and, and letting that weigh us down, how do we turn it into something that inspires us, that makes it so it's a call to action that we need to come together, that we need to bridge gaps that, you know, business, government, nonprofits, we all have to work in citizens, quite frankly, as well, have to work in tandem to acknowledge and also tackle these problems. So a bit of a segue to say the least, but that was my first B Corp experience. And it really defined, you know, my whole life moving forward. I was like, I'm never not working for a B Corp. And after that, I went on to start my own sustainable consulting firm, which I still am the CEO and managing director of even with a day-to-day full-time job as an executive, because it is so important to me that we continue to build this into businesses and um, really make sure that people are aware of this. I mean, you can just feel your passion around it. You're so lit up when you talk about it. And it sounds like when you discovered what becoming a B Corp meant back then, it was like click, you know, and it kind of married everything together in a way that all of a sudden gave you the energy to just kind of see it through. And it became your career and you're still so passionate about it. And I bet that this is probably the thing that you might want to work on, even if it wasn't the way you made your living. And I think there's a lot of people out there that might be thinking, and I'm just, I want to like acknowledge what is sometimes the elephant in the room, which is, yeah, but you were already working for that company. And so you had this particular background and you had the skills that you needed to be able to actually take that next right step. Everyday folks who are not, you know, in your line of work might hear the news and hear and they they might look at all of that data and think, okay, I I want some tracks to run on. I want to know what to do. You know, how how can I help and how can I find my place, you know, in, in playing my own small role or my own big role in contributing to solving some of these challenges? Because it's amazing to hear about when it all works. But I also like to talk about, was there a time when it didn't click like that? Like, was there a time when you really struggled and you felt like, oh, I'm just disconnected from the way my career is playing out or the choices that I'm making are not aligned, that you felt disconnected from your your why and your purpose? Is there a time when you struggled with that? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, 2012 was not the beginning of my career. It was definitely a few years in and coming out of college. It was it's so funny because and I don't share this with everyone. Um, so this is definitely a safe space. And I'm so, so happy to be able to have that with you and to be able to share this for others to hopefully inspire them. You know, I was always really good at math and science and English and and a good student. I felt very I feel very lucky that, you know, I fit into what we call the rubric of America's school system. There's a lot of people who don't learn that way who don't Mm -hmm. you know there's so many people I know that are just so creative and that is not the right path for them and for me I was very lucky to fit that system that we already have in place but I didn't have the confidence in college to pursue STEM as a female and it's something that I corrected later on in life because I went back to grad school I got my master's in science after I had been working for a few years and instead when I was younger I focused on art. I focused on communications. I focused on things that, you know, came more naturally to me, even though I wasn't necessarily bad at any of them. And unfortunately, that is not where my passion was. Like, yes, I'll always be an artist. Yes, I'll always be, you know, making ceramics and doing the things that for my own self-care and, and you know, mental refresh and just flushing out all of the stuff that you go through every day that is really important for me to process but it wasn't how I wanted to spend my every day. And because mm. of what I did in college, you know, your parents influenced you. I feel so lucky to be close to my parents and have such good mentorship with them where they're like, you can't focus on just that. You need to build other skill sets. And so they pursued communications and formal degrees and that, that set me up on a trajectory in marketing. And after a few years in marketing, and especially after the five years as a stint at a marketing director for that B Corp, even though it was a purpose-driven company, it did not make my heart sing. I, you know, I love storytelling. I love promoting efficacy. I love inspiring people to take change and sharing easy ways that folks can do it, that businesses can do it, so we can all feel empowered to do it. But building those types of strategies did not make me happy. And especially for that first job, I was learning so much, but, you know, I was doing computer coding. I was doing all this other stuff. And it's not that it's not important, but it just wasn't important to me, or I should say as important as all of these other things that really deeply connected me to myself, like marine biology and animals and nature and gardening and the stuff that made me feel like who I was. And so as I started to tiptoe more into purpose-driven businesses and learn about this and really just nerded out on my own and did so much self-teaching because of the partnerships with other B Corp leaders, because of the partnerships that I developed learning through these people, it quickly made me an expert in something that really had no demand at the time, which was crazy for me to think that I can now have such a strong career in sustainability. I mean, you flash back 13 years, 10 years ago, there weren't corporate jobs like this. They were not common. They were not pushed for. It was not expected that companies do this. So, you know, flash back 10 years ago, there were not careers in this. And I remember when I was thinking about transitioning from marketing to sustainability and my parents who are, again, really wonderful mentors, but a little bit old school and by the book, were worried. How are you going to have a career? How are you going to make a living yourself? How are you going to support yourself when it's already really economically challenging for millennials because of when we were born and the things going on? And so I kind of told him, I, I don't really care. This is where I need to go. It took a bit of courage for me to make that leap from 
what I knew, but I also knew that I had developed so much time and put so much effort into learning about this that I was equipped to help others. And I felt so lucky that because of my natural interests and building that local community with the B Corps in the region, when I made the shift to running my own business and creating my own sustainability consulting firm, they caught me. I didn't fall because they caught me. They were so thrilled to be able to work with me, to be able to take me under their wings, to give me projects, to learn about all sorts of different types of social impact initiatives and environmental impact initiatives across so many different types of industries. And it actually felt like the beginning of my true purpose of where I should be focusing my time of, um, you know, where I belonged. And it's really nice to feel like you belong and, you know, following your passion takes courage. And I feel very thankful that I have the courage to be like, that's, I respect your opinion and I'm definitely going to keep it in my mind, but I'm not stopping. And as you know, I don't stop and I stand very strongly for what I believe in. And, you know, I feel like those are the moments that make you who you are in life and as yeah. difficult and uncomfortable as you feel with that, you have to sit with it and you have to reflect on what is right for you. And for me, pursuing sustainable business and leaving marketing, which set me up for success with sustainability because storytelling is so important to create efficacy and things like that. But it really wasn't where my heart was. And it's just so interesting that you bring up this aspect of this kind of evolution of your story, because especially when we get into the idea of doing good work, I want to do something that matters. I want to make a difference. You know, I want to make a living making a difference, which is, you know, a whole other topic that we could dive into. I want to give my time now that I have it, you know, and now that I have the resource of time. So often, I think when we get into the big picture of the challenges and the problems that need addressing and need solving. Tell me if you agree or if you think, you know, no, Leah, you're like way off on this. But I feel like this expectation that if you're going to do quote unquote good work, there needs to be some element of self-sacrifice also. And sometimes, you know, that could come in the form of doing the type of role that's needed to serve a larger purpose, even though it doesn't, you know, light you up at all, which is kind of where you were when you were doing writing. I just wonder what you think about that, because unpopular opinion, maybe, but I think it sounds like it's really important to also feel lit up by the thing that you're doing, even when you, you know, when you've maybe found something that you want to work on that feels purposeful, if you're not connected to it in a way that makes you feel that sense of purpose, then you're not going to have the energy to go after it. And it's probably going to feel, start to breed some sort of resentment. You know, Um, I know that I had that crisis when I was like, you know, right after college, I, I thought I wanted to be a teacher as my day job while I pursued my acting career. And then I was like, I just see this train going in the direction of like cynical, resentful teacher. I don't want to get on that train. Tell me your thoughts. Am I onto something or am I in left field? I no, no, I don't think you're in left field. And I think the the other thing to acknowledge is like what is right for you and and being not in a, a selfish way, but in a self-care way, because it's never at least the approach I want to take is not to the detriment of others. Like, why can't we all win together is the type of environment that I want to create. I want it to be an and environment and not mm. in this or that environment. And you know, some people like to feel like they're sacrificing like that's important to them now for me what drives me is is the passion side and I think doing good doesn't need to just be this box of 
environment or social equity or anything like being good to other humans is good too. Like my previous world, you know, I, I definitely have had quite a few businesses and one of them was a, I was an Airbnb super host and Ooh. I, I did it for six years with my partner and mm -hmm. we had this little Airstream that I redid with my dad because we're very DIY type of people and like to get our hands dirty and made cool. it this beautiful like bohemian retreat uh, four <laughs> blocks from the beach in Venice where I lived for 11 years and wow. we did it for six years and I I did, you know, I, some people could see it as you sacrificed your space, you sacrificed your time to welcome these people and show them around. But we saw it as what an incredible opportunity to learn from other people, to see all these different ways to live, right? Because you live in such a silo, you forget there's so many different approaches to life. So why do you have to do the one that you've been told forever? And it, it, it gave us some of our best friends that we've ever had in the whole wide world. So whenever we travel, we have friends around the world, wherever we go now, which is so cool. So I think, you know, some people could see sacrifice, but other can see opportunity. And how do you shift that narrative in your own head to mm. align with your passions? And being a host actually ended up being a passion for me, something that was rooted in, hey, I live in an expensive city. I'm trying to make extra money, even though I have a full-time job. So, you know, I can save for a future. Ended up being something that we loved. Like I got to do a creative aspect with designing and creating this cute little space for people and curating it and sending them on tours around the city and giving them, you know, the passion that I felt for my hometown yeah. and why, you know, I travel a lot and I have family other places and I don't want to degrade them, but why I wanted to stay here and why I really yeah. like it here and to spread that joy with them. And now, I mean, fast forward years later, wherever we go, people do the same for us and it's this pay it forward mentality. So to me, that was good work, even if it wasn't environmental impact or, you know, building a different business, it was opening your doors to other people and, and really your heart to other people. And seeing that come back and return in dividends, is just like, it makes me tear up because it's such a beautiful experience. So, you know, doing good work doesn't have to mean you're an environmentalist. It can be so many other positive influences. So I think people, if they can expand that, that definition of what is good work, you know, maybe you won't feel like you're sacrificing and you can be led by passion instead of, of that idea of I have to give up something to make sure that I'm doing good for the world around me. I love so much that I never would have guessed that talking about being an Airbnb super host <laughs> is the thing that would be like so connected to your emotions, right? We're like that touched your heart yes. in a different way. So you have this expression, you know, of good work in lots of other areas. And also it seems like that really touched your heart. And that yeah. is, that's something that, you know, we can't really prescribe and you can't really give a rubric for that, can you? Yeah. And, and how amazing that as an entrepreneur exploring new things that that can be the impact you bring to your life and that you share with others. You know, it's just such a neat approach to this and mentality. Again, I know I'm going to say that a few more times, but like, why does yeah. it have to be this or that? It can be everything for everyone. And I want, you know, we need, we need to come together more than we ever have and to tackle tough problems, to open your doors to other people, to, you know, tackle even divisiveness within our own country. It's really important that we start to open our hearts to each other and slow down a little bit and stop being 
so judgmental. And for me, mm. opening my door to, you know, people from literally 40 or 50 different countries around the world gave me that exposure to say, this is not the only way. And it just yeah. opened my mind up to so many other things. So between, you know, that cultural exposure, and then at the same time, this like renaissance of myself with environmental impact and business and how do we build businesses like this, it just really felt like I was finding my groove. And it took mm -hmm. a few years to get there. Like, you know, it's so easy to think, oh, I just need this skill set. It's like, follow your passions because you never know what's going to come together to make it like with storytelling and communications and environment. I'm like, the reason why I'm good at my job is because I can talk to people to inspire them to make changes within their own daily work in our workplace, but also like our customers to take action and to, to really understand this and see that it will personally impact them, but also feel like that's a need to take action and not just shut down because of it. So it's just, it seems like this perfect apex of all these seemingly random things that come together to make you who you are. And sometimes people are so focused on, I need this now instead yeah. of, and the outcome instead of the journey itself. And again, the path forward in life is not linear. Like it has these twists and turns. And if you're not enjoying them and seeing what you can learn from them and, and really take out of them, you're not going to get the bigger picture. You're not going to see yourself and you're not going to see how you should apply your passions, let alone, you know, making a career of it. I, I love it so much. And I'm clearly outing myself as a Libra here because I'm like, well, oh my gosh, I'm a Libra too. well, see, there you go. That's why we <laughs> like each other so much. <laughs> I'm over here being like, yes, yes, yes. On this hand, this, and also on this hand, this. And I feel like there are two things at play that come to mind that I'd love your perspective on. Sure. One is that privilege is a hot word these days, but you need to have a sense of relaxation and spaciousness in order to be curious. Yeah, I just the way I feel about it is like relaxation and spaciousness to be able to follow your curiosity and to figure out, well, what is the passion that I'm kind of sniffing out? Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, I think it's important to acknowledge that, you know, if you're familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's like, well, when you are still trying to meet certain needs on that scale, it's very difficult to feel relaxed and spacious to follow your curiosity. So I just know that having been in kind of having having explored both <laughs> I just think it's important to acknowledge that. And I wonder what your thoughts are on that. I, I totally, totally agree. And the acknowledgement of the privilege that I have because of how I grew up, you know, my parents, my skin color, all of those things are not lost on me every day. And that is part of the fuel for the impact work and looking at things like open hiring and recidivization and black and brown entrepreneurship and building programs so they can build mission-driven businesses. I mean, as part of those prominent Southern California universities that I work for, they develop for free curriculum that they can install in their own businesses. We give back to make sure that they feel empowered and that they have these resources at an equitable or free rate, because otherwise you're not giving them the chance that the rest of us got. And that is completely unfair. And you have to be aware of your space in this work. And I know as a white woman, I am comfortable speaking up and that is a privilege, but that also means that when I use my voice and I make decisions, I need to be aware of others. I need to be aware of the implication of them and whether it was intention or impact, I need to be focused on the impact that I have on others and own my own response to the intention because that impact is something that 
you know, I don't have to carry certain burdens that other folks do. And it's really, really important to be mindful and to have ownership of that, especially when you're working in this type of environment on equitable types of social impact initiatives. So thank you for calling that out because it is so important to acknowledge that there are privileges that I have by being able to follow my passion and having it lead to this. And it's something that I really like to try to pay forward and, you know, lift up others and make them feel like they have the, can be empowered to, to follow those things too. So I hope I can at least bring that to the people in my everyday life and, and really start to change society through everyday interactions and through coming together and through those types of social purpose impact work. 100%. And through a conversation in another episode in this series, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Ramona H. Lawrence, who you may be familiar with. But we had a really juicy conversation about calling out versus calling in. These are things that we can practice. And so I hope you didn't feel like I was calling you out. No. Um, And I want to give that whole piece of our conversation a yes and also, which is that I think it also doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. Because again, we're into this narrative of like, if you want to follow your curiosity and your passion, then for me, the narrative was always a starving artist. And, you know, I'm also so inspired and excited by folks that are like, you know what, I'm not buying into that either. And there are ways forward to follow my curiosity and my passion, no matter where my starting point is. And I'm going to prioritize that. And I think that's a supremely brave thing to do. What do you think? I think it's it's definitely courageous to do so. And I think there are ways to do it because I'm a pretty risk averse person. I'll, I'll be honest. I like to make a million plans and then I'll have a million backup plans in case the first plan goes awry. But there are ways to set yourself up for success with your passions. Like, you know, you can and, and it does take time and effort, but you can work full time and still do nonprofit work. How do you spend your time outside of the full time if that's what you're not happy with to set you up for success in the next step? Like, you know, the Airbnb was a supplemental income and a life changing experience, obviously, but in my 20s, so we could travel so we could explore. And it ended up being so, so much more than that. So, you know, it takes courage to start, but sometimes you just have to start somewhere and you never know where it's going to lead you and how it all is going to come together in the future, which is the beautiful part of life. Like those little surprises and life is hard. Like life, be real. Life is very, very hard. And people don't, I, I feel like society doesn't set you up for success in that way and saying that, no, it's all daisies and roses and all these things are wonderful, but life is tough and you have to be tough to get through it, but you also have to look for the opportunities and and the connections and the things that make life so wonderful. Community, you know, for me, it's getting out into the environment where I can feel connected to our planet and the things that we came from and the things that we put in our body and the things that, you know, I touch every day, like the soil and my garden and those there, there are ways to feel connected to these things and you don't have to, you know, if it's not your full-time work, See outside of that every day. Is it how you spend your time in your garden when you're touching your soil and you're growing your vegetables? Is it what you're putting in your body? Is it talking to your best friend, like building community, you know, sharing your knowledge, learning from others? Those are all really, really important to finding your purpose and and doing good work because it's going to set you up on the right track. And I think no matter where you come from, those are opportunities that you can take 
for yourself because you carry them with you everywhere you go, which is really nice. Yeah. And it seems like that's the priceless stuff, right? Because sometimes I think we have a certain kind of measuring stick that we measure our success. And those priceless things, you really can't put a, you can't put a price tag on them and no amount of money would, could buy them. Totally. And the feeling that you have when you're connecting and when you're doing some of the things that, that you really love. These things give back to you too. Like I, I've been really nerding out on this thing called the blue zones lately, which are the pockets of the world where people live the longest over a hundred years. And my partner's a chef and, you know, we eat really rich food. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is, and, and food's about community, but it's also about what you put in your body. And when we were reading this and, you know, going into it, I thought it was only about, you know, healthiness based off of food. It's mm-hmm. not. The things that they were talking about that make you live longer are your connections to other yeah. people, whether you're walking every day. Yes, food is super, super important too, but it had so much more to do with community than I originally thought. And in hindsight, it seems obvious, but right. those are the things that are so important for longevity and for happiness in longevity and health in longevity as well. That makes me want to learn a whole lot more about the blue zones. Um, I've, I've heard about it, but I haven't done the deep dive yet. So thanks for bringing that up. You know, sometimes when we get into, you know, into these conversations, like, I don't know how you feel. Like, how do you feel in your body right now? In this moment, you know, I'm having a pretty good week with my body. I'm very happy with it. I felt like I did good service to it. I just actually was eating some fresh lettuce off of my farm stand, which is like a whole other silly thing. So I feel like I'm putting good stuff into it. I've had a good few workouts, which are really nice from a mental health perspective, but also a physical health. I'm feeling, I'm feeling strong. And it's a nice place to feel because when you feel strong, physically in your body and you feel strong mentally in your mind and you're feeling strong emotionally with your approaches to things, you feel like you can do anything. And for me, that is so important because I give so much of myself away in my work and I'm a very introverted person. And so when I do have interactions, it Mm. is, you know, I walk away, no matter how positive the interaction was, it's not against anyone else, but it just takes energy from me. And so it's really important for me to focus on that strength, to focus on Mm. on my own self-care so I can keep giving because as somebody where that is inherently how I want to spread my word. That's how I want to make a positive impact. It's how I want to connect with others. I need to make sure that I'm still pouring back into myself. And so those things are important to me. And it becomes this like feedback loop, right? Mm -hmm. Where they feed each other and it becomes cyclical and it might be hard to start at first, but then you reach this tipping point where it all kind of starts to come together and become a lot easier. Yeah. I mean, I can say from just my own experience in the last couple of years, you know, when we lived full time in Tanzania and then moved back to the US, I realized in retrospect, I was like, because my focus had been so much on something that was so clearly recognized as quote unquote, good work. It was almost like I started to feed into this story. And I just like did not take care of myself. in a lot of ways. Like I came, I came back and my body was kind of jacked up. Like my shoulder yeah. was all messed up. Like I hadn't been exercising. And, you know, it seemed in that context, it seemed kind of indulgent because, you know, again, as a Westerner, 
you know, coming into a country that has different economic advantages. Right. I had a lot of, you know, sorting through my, you know, my own feelings and everything that right. came up when you are all of a sudden in a, in a very different context. And it felt indulgent to me to be, you know, kind of visibly exercising one. I didn't see a lot of people doing that. And so, yeah, hindsight being 2020, though, I can see how that crisis of confidence, you know, if you have the sense of safety and security to be able to do that, then we must. And I think you're touching on something that we all feel when you are cognizant of yourself and your privilege, which is guilt. And Mm -hmm. why do I get certain things and other people don't? And again, you shouldn't be detrimental to yourself because of that. I think if anything, it's a pause on what do I need to appreciate more Mm -hmm. in my life? What do I need to be grateful for? And how do I help others have that opportunity? And how do I bring that to other people as well? Because it's so easy to say, well, you know, why would I invest in myself when all of these other things are happening? But if you are not investing in yourself, how are you supposed to go help others? How are you supposed to spend your time committed to these things, how are you supposed to be fully present in that when you're not even fully present in who you are and what you want? Hmm. I mean, we could end right there. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't agree more. Guilt is a tricky, tricky emotion. It's really Um, tricky. Very tricky, but it's really informative and it really shines a light on where, what do I need to look at? What do I need to shift my appreciation towards? And, And, And I love that. And being comfortable with being uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because life is not perfect and we are not perfect as humans and having ownership of what we can control, what we can help with, and also acknowledging ownership of our own behaviors and the impact of them, you know, whether the intention or impact are the same, it's really, really important to sit with that discomfort and to lean into it. Otherwise, how do you grow? How do you evolve? How do you change? It's so funny. Some people are like, oh, they changed. I'm like, good. You should be changing. You should be growing every day. Like for me, my personal mantra is I want to learn something new every single day. And Mm -hmm. that could be some scientific fact or that could be, oh, this was me and I reacted this way in the circumstance. And oh, wow, that's a really insightful thing that I didn't even realize was like causing me to knee jerk respond and, and taking that time to reflect. And so for me, it's like, no, you should be changing. You should be growing. You should be feeling these things and guilt and anxiety and these negative emotions that are perceived as negative, I should say, mm-hmm. are actually really good drivers for change if you can harness them, if you can lean into them and accept them and also use them as a tool. Yes, 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 yes. Um, <laughs> this was wonderful. And I wonder if if I may be so bold as to ask you for one last kind of nugget of wisdom yep. and perspective. I like to ask this one because we all have some special sauce. And what's something that only you might be able to help us learn about? Goodness. So I think I'll share, which was, you know, something we've touched about a little bit, but one of the biggest learnings that I have had is sustainability is a journey, right? And and doing good work is a journey and our life is a journey. And don't feel guilty about where you're starting. Be focused about where you want to go because we can paralyze ourselves. We can say, I'm not ready. I'm not qualified. But I mean, when I look back, if I had not done all of these things that really were just passions for me in my spare time outside of my nine to five, 
I wouldn't have been set up for success in this new sustainability world where this is now never going away, which I'm so thankful for. And you see consumers jumping on the bandwagon and companies and, and this whole focus on purpose-driven organizations and purpose-driven work. And, you know, if I had been afraid, if I had listened to what people had said and smart, smart people had said to me, mm-hmm. but people who are a little bit more risk averse and not thinking about life every day and being happy in what you're working on every day, I would have never went down this path. And I'm so grateful that I was respectful and I listened and I reflected and thought about it and sat with it because this was the best path ever for me. And I'm so, I just feel so connected to my organization, the business as a force for good movement. I know I'm making a positive impact. I can measure the carbon emissions, the plastic reduction, you know, the new jobs that we've given people through open hiring. Like these are the things that really, really make me feel like I have a purpose and that's good for me, but that might not be for everyone. So, you know, don't sell yourself short. Remember that you're on a journey and that good work is what you're passionate about and what you can give to others and people and the planet. And it doesn't just need to be this siloed definition of of what we think it is. It can be so many other things. So beautifully said. Andrea Chase, I can't thank you enough. I learned so much. I always learn from you. (laughs) And I just, I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for being here, friend. Thank you so, so much for having me. Any moment with you is always a moment that I treasure. Thanks for listening, friends. I'd love for you to join this conversation and hear your perspective too. To connect with us, head over to leahleonard.me and way to go. Good work.